everybody? Welcome back to the Rodeo Wagon Podcast, presented by Western Edge App and produced by Cosmic Cowboys Productions. We're here with Kyler Oliver. What's going on, man? How are you today? Good, man. It's been a minute since I've talked to you. Yeah, it has. Shoot. I haven't seen you in a long time. Yeah, freaking snapped my ankle in two from June, so been out since then. Injury plagued lately. I, I know. I feel, feel you. <laughs> yeah, you went through a little bit of a stretch there, too. Yeah, yeah, rough, rough last year and a half. <laughs> Man, it's so crazy too how how all that works. Like, you you never know when it's gonna happen because you'll be riding so good, everything will just be going smoothly, and then like yeah. little do you know that maybe the next year, the next year and a half. <laughs> yeah, holy crap! Yeah, then it's gonna go real rough, I guess. It'll just make it seem a lot nicer when, you know, things do go well. You'll appreciate it a little more after going through through the rough times. Yeah, I think it, sometimes it's even good for you. I mean, yeah. some some sports have seasons and rodeo doesn't. And for me and you and probably everybody else, like, we're not just taking breaks. So... No, yeah, I have freaking, that's what people ask me is, well, so when is the season starting? And I'm like, dude, it's just going all the time. Like, we get a two-week break here and there, and then obviously majority everybody gets injured. So, I mean, that's pretty much when you're getting your break, and it's not much of a break because you're injured. So you either can't do a whole lot or, or you're rehabbing hard trying to get back to going to work and traveling hard. It is rough on you, and it's, it's a hard thing to keep up with, especially – for a guy that, you know, <laughs> tries hard and put, puts themselves in, in situations where you, you'll get a score, but you'll also get an injury rather than, you know, yeah. jumping up. You know, self-preservation mode is just not on the mind of, of most bull riders, and you have to be that way. Yeah, 100%. <clears throat> yeah. And, I, heck, even the recovery is not really a vacation because not only is it difficult mentally, but – it takes a lot of work to recover well. I've always said, like, when I'm done riding bulls will be when I'm not willing to recover the way that I know I need to recover to compete. Because when you're winning and stuff, like, everything's great. It's really the 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 times where, you know, it really tests your mettle. That's when you decide whether you want to keep doing it or not. It's not in the, the times when you're freaking strapping all the time. It's in the times where it's like, this is a freaking grind. <laughs> Exactly. You learn a lot about yourself. And I'm right in the middle of that now. You know what I mean? Learning a lot about myself now about how, how I deal with things and, and how to how to deal with things better. And uh, it's it's definitely hard. It's hard on you mentally while it's happening and then just coming back and trying to be the same person you were before you got hurt is, you know, not always as easy as it is as it is said, you know. Yeah, 100%. I, I think, too, for me, like, coming back, coming back in the winter. So, next week, I'm getting on my first bull since surgery. I'm going to Fort Worth, which has been freaking awesome that they have that there every Thursday. Yeah, but, that's great. I, I love that, too. But, uh, so, I haven't, you know, I haven't been on for, you know, a freaking a good while. But in the winter, it's 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 tough because, you know, in the summer, if you're coming back during the summer, you can go anywhere everybody's booking it's nice like you go into the winter there's only so many places that you can go back (laughs) yeah exactly that's um 
It's it's. I mean, there is no season to bull riding. It's twenty four seven, but it's also a lot, a lot more prevalent in the in the summer months. Um, I've always been lucky where I am. You know, it gets real cold in the winter, and so we got indoor arenas, and uh, so we've always had kind of a practice pen going in the winter time. But that deal in Fort Worth, how they're doing that every Thursday, is like one of the smartest things I think they've ever started doing is having one weekly. You know, just to help people especially all them guys that live down that makes me want to move out that way so just so i can be there get on all the time the one thing i don't like about it is that i'm 11 hours from fort worth (laughs) yeah exactly i'm like 17 18 hours driving so pretty much have to fly down there and then at that point i i I should just move down there honestly it's it's hard to um get stuff like that going up here especially in the winter it gets so damn cold yeah, it'd be nice if they would do that in every different place. I mean, there's a there's enough places they could do something like that. But. Yeah, but there's not enough bull riders, I don't think, spread out. You know, everybody's in Decatur right. pretty much or, or around well, that area. Even Fort Worth doing it in Fort Worth every Thursday, and they're still making it a two-header every weekend because they're not getting enough bull riders. So, and that's the, I mean, capital bull riding pretty yeah. much right there. So, so maybe that's have. right. Maybe they shouldn't take that to everywhere because they probably would lose a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you might lose some money there. It would be great for me, you know. Yeah, right. but, uh, yeah. Not good for the business side of things, that's for sure. But, uh, yeah, um, I wish that wish that we could get a little bit more bull riding going on around here. But, yeah, there's not enough people that really want to do it. You know, there's a lot of people that want to own a bull, and there's a lot of people that want to be in, you know, around it. But there's not, not many people that want to get on them. Yeah, that bull team's really made a lot of uh, stock contractors. A lot yeah, it of, did. Which it is, did, I, think, it? I think it provides a lot of guys opportunities to do it yeah. that never had really the opportunity to do it before. Yeah, because before it was all, you know, you want the rankest bull, and now it's you want a good bull that a guy's going to stay on for, you know, to get a good score for at them bull team events, you know. it's It's good for a lot of guys that, necessarily aren't wanting to get on the bushwhacker type of bull every weekend and going you know hey you just want to ride fun bulls and, and make money it's good i love bull teams it's a good opportunity for the bull rider and the stock contractor everybody yeah. wins there yeah you don't have to own you know 40 head and you know rely on taking you know x amount of bulls to be able to make some money you can own five good ones have a team of them, yeah yeah have a have one team even partner couple guys partner on a team you know so yeah yeah that's that's created a lot of opportunities for sure too and changed bull riding for sure and i think it's good you're getting a lot more good to ride bulls you know what i mean and guys are working with them a little more too you're not getting just straight up out of the pasture j-dub style just well get on and we're gonna shoot break them right here <laughs> there's a difference too i believe in a really ranked bull and a bull that's dirty because there's some bulls out there that are you know there's bulls out there you will be 84 points if you ride them but they're freaking gonna throw the kitchen hardest 84 points of your life and then there's bulls out there that will absolutely buck but you're gonna be 92 on them (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and it's i mean sometimes it makes me wonder how they what the judges want because you know what i mean that 
they most of them were, were bull riders. Pretty much all of them were bull riders. So right. you know the the effort. They know how hard it is sometimes to to ride that eighty four point bull, but it is a entertainment business. You know what I mean? You gotta you gotta be a little flashy. So sometimes that hard work doesn't pay off like it should. It seems. Yeah, but heck, anymore if you're consistent, then it pays off pretty freaking good. Yeah, you just ride your bulls done. Your scores yeah. don't matter. You ride everything. I went through it earlier this year where I was getting called. I think it was like four slaps in a row. I didn't slap them, got called for it, and really struggling. And I remembered something that Mason Lowe said to me uh, when I first got in the PBR, and he was talking to me and Quentin Vaught, and uh, one of us was complaining, you know, about riding all our bulls and not getting paid. And he's like, how many short rounders have you rode, though? He said, if you ride if you ride both your bulls, That's you're going to get paid and go exactly where you want to go. And that's kind of always stuck with me. Whenever you want to complain about how you're riding bulls and not getting paid, no. maybe it's because you're not riding as many bulls as you should be riding. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You just put in the work and quit complaining while you're riding, do the talking. Yeah. Especially nowadays with these bull ridings because it's not one head. If it was one head, then completely I get it. You know, like there's times if it's just all one head bull ridings, it's going to kind of suck. Like, you're gonna yeah. ride and not get paid, but if you're getting on an aggregate of three head, two head, four head, you know there's not mm-hmm. too many guys that are gonna, you know. That, yeah, four. you ride all four bulls, you're guaranteed, you know, it's one of the top spots. Very rarely are you gonna see people ride that many bulls like they did last two weeks ago in Tucson. That was that was insane. That you. <laughs> I never I, seen so many bulls rode at a PBR event. You know, I feel like too with the PBR early in the season when which tucson's a different deal because that's freaking up in arizona so that's kind of an anomaly but when they go to the east coast you do see a lot more bulls get road like that's a time where you know you're gonna get a i don't want to say it's a b-level pin but overall it's a step down from oklahoma and kansas city and you know some of those places tucson though i don't i don't get that (laughs) yeah yeah there's a lot of fresh faces around there too and guys that weren't the guys that are hurt are, are staying home right now too. So yeah. there's a lot of fresh guys ready to ride that week out there. It was that was a fun bull riding to be part of, honestly. Is every time somebody stayed on, it was a new lead change. That happened like twelve <laughs> times in a row. I was like, holy crap! Yeah, six guys rode all three bulls, right? Six. Yeah, yeah. When did, how often do you hear about that? You had to ride two bulls almost to get in the short round. I barely snuck in. That's that's wild. You just think about it. You go perfect. I mean, you don't even finish in the top five. <laughs> that sucks. That sucks. Especially, yeah, being at your first event, you're like, oh, I rode all my bulls, and then everybody freaking everybody stays Everybody does, on. yeah. It just happens yeah. to be that event. Yeah, everybody I stays on at the same it, time. I saw it more back in the day, but it doesn't happen as yeah. much before. Last year, especially, you know, you really saw the caliber of the freaking short round because last year, like, five events in a row, nobody stayed on in the short round. No, and I mean, it's also due to everybody being hurt and, and going so much. We literally have no – we used to have a little bit of a break. We don't have a break at all, really. And, I mean, when you do, I mean, you're sure. riding through injuries the whole season anyway, so it's like yeah. you, you really don't have any breaks. And so that and all these bulls are bucking so hard nowadays. They got, got that breeding program on lock and got their feed down and – them bulls are just like rocket. They're, it's like you're feeding them rocket fuel. They're all ready to explode. So 
you're getting on that every weekend, about three times. A, you're pretty much getting on short round bulls almost every round anymore yeah. at those PBRs. So it's, it's really, really hard to stay healthy. Sometimes they are, too. I mean, there's times where you'll get on a short rounder in the long run. You know, especially oh, yeah, you show up in the first round, you got yeah. a short round bull. You're like, right. what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But the benefit is you ride him then, maybe you get a chance to pick him, you know, because now you can actually do that in the short round. You can pick a bull. Before, I know at one point you weren't allowed to get on the same bull in one event, but now you can pick one. Oh, really? I didn't even know that. You can't draw one. You can't draw the same bull. But, but yeah, you can pick him. So if you if you ride that bull, you know, in the the one of the long rounds, you can pick yeah. him in the short round. Yeah, assuming he's going to be in the short round, like, like a bull like July that they'll just throw in the long round all of a sudden, and then he's yeah. good enough to be in the short round every time. Well, so. and some of those three day events that are longer, you know, and they need the extra bulls, they'll do that with. Like, I can't tell you how many times I've went to Billings and drew a bull in the long round that was in the short round, too. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, them three day events. So, like, they, I mean, they got so many good bulls, but it's hard to make. You know, with the three-day event, it's hard to have short round pen in every single, you know. And that's what they're doing. They're putting short round bulls in every single pen, but then you're matching it with stuff that you're going to be 84 on. You know what I mean? And it kind of can screw you both ways. Well, especially, too, some of them that have the 15 of 15 along with the three-day event. That's a freaking lot of bulls. Yeah, they quit doing those this year now. But they did. Doing- I was going to say, last year I think they did it. I know yeah, they did it last year, and they really seen how hard everybody <laughs> was. They literally dipping down into the freaking. They were going way deep to get guys to come to events. Do you remember? Actually, it was Billings. Do you remember Billings, where it was like a freaking. It was like a war scene. They were carting people off like the sportsmen was the busiest I've ever seen. I was talking to Tandy about that even at the airport uh, yeah. last year when we left San- Sacramento. Um, <laughs> and it started with 40 or 45 guys and championship Sunday, there was 22 of us that nodded our head. <laughs> Dude, that is, that's terrible. <laughs> I mean, the odds of, yeah, you don't want to even show up anymore. To this. Holy crap. No, half the guys, half the field can't even make it. Yeah. Yeah. No joke. That, was, that don't happen. I think they have, they're starting to do a better job of being aware of that. they're starting to realize we're not actually invincible (laughs) I mean we make a lot of money for them though so they're going to use this as much as we can yeah 100% much as we possibly can I think there's a point there though where it's like you know you make them a lot of money and that's great but then at some point you're not making them a lot of money because too many guys are hurt so there's a balance there yeah and that's what they're starting to realize and that's why they quit doing the 15 on 15 because, I mean, really, what's the point? They're putting all those bulls in their, in every round anyway. They're splitting them up into every freaking – it used to be, you know, you'd have your first-round bulls that were, you know, PBR caliber but not PBR short-round caliber, and they were all grouped together, and then it progressively seemed to get a little bit ranker in every round. Now it's just kind of random. You might be 84 on your bull or you might be 93 in the first round, and it's like it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense because – you know, if you're 93 in the first down, that's great for you, but that sucks for the guy that got on a bull that you couldn't be 93 on. Or yeah. vice versa, you know, you get on a hard eliminating bull in the first round and some guy gets on a nice bull that he can whoop the crap out of and be 88 points on. And it's like, dude, that you're not even having the same bull riding. It's yeah. very hard. 
Yeah, consistency was in the pen. And it's it's funny because you have this in every level, you know, where and it's tough. It's tough a lot of times to have a consistent pen. But at that level, you know, they definitely can. They they have the opportunity to make that pen pretty freaking consistent. Yeah, they have the opportunity, but it's like I don't know why they don't. Um I mean, I'm I'm not the smartest guy ever. And I mean these guys know a lot more about bulls than I do. Like I really don't try to give them any any respect or anything like that or even think about the bulls i just get on their back and ride them because they don't they ain't thinking about me anyhow <laughs> but uh there's guys that that know a lot about the bulls and stuff and and i'm like colton hevelo just guys like that that just know every single bull there is i can just go to him and be like what's this i've never heard of it and they know every chip they've ever had so it's like and they're not even the stock court coordinator so Wyatt rogers if you have yeah. about, bull, right, about a bull those are the two guys. In fact, and I have both of those while, guys on my team. Every once in a while, Wyatt will message me and ask me about a bull, and it's almost I feel privileged that he was. <laughs> Wait a minute. I know something you don't know. Yeah, I, most of the time I don't even ask Colton. He'll just tell me, and then yeah. he'll just keep talking and like tell me about how bad he's going to be. Sometimes I'm like, dude, I don't even want to know. But I mean, it's so. I mean. Obviously, you got guys that know the Bulls really well, so why can't we have the pens be a little bit more even? You know what I mean? You only got, what, 35 guys, 40 guys going to an event. How many top Bulls are there in the world? There's people fighting to get their Bulls on tour. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, it's it shouldn't be – you have every Bull at your fingertips. It should be pretty easy, I would think. Yeah, and I, I mean, heck, I, I think the only thing that – the challenge would be is like how many of these re really really bulls that really belong in the championship round like how many of them are there and how do you navigate an overflow of those especially if you're in an area if you're in oklahoma and you're like dang we we've got a 15 uh, man short round but we've got 25 bulls here that freaking belong in the short round so now you're left with 10 extra bulls that you're like what do i do with these if i stick them in the long ground then it's gonna it's not gonna water down it's gonna make that long round well, it just, yeah, I mean, inconsistent. Yeah. Well, I guess it, yeah, I don't know. It, it is hard to turn guys down, especially when you got one guy that can bring an entire short round and you got, you got multiple stock contractors that could do that right now. So, what's it going to look like now with, like, I know Berger, he hasn't taken as many bulls. No. And I don't know the DNH has to the PBRs as much either. Seems like they, yeah, they haven't been hauling. Those two guys haven't been around as often, and not bringing as many when they, they do come. They used to own it. Like yeah. Ted Berger would could. I have one event. He brought all the bulls. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Every bull, and and he had another bull riding going on at the same time. That's I think we had bulls all of that too. So yeah, like three different things going on. Um, I don't know. It's hard to say. You got a lot of new money in here, and a lot of new partners and people. You know, buying parts of bulls and stuff, and so. Instead of being just cold, I don't think it's going down. I think the breed is actually getting better. So, yeah, I think so too. Yeah, you got. I mean, everybody's. Yeah, everything's going, going, getting better. You look at riding solo and legend. You know what I mean. You get, you getting stuff like that. They can jump it higher than a deer, and then you're making them as big as like freaking Domino and and uh, Dennis and Manny. They're getting big like that and being able to buck too, like that. I want to get on Dennis the Menace. No, you don't. I, I do. I want to get on him. Uh, you're right-handed, ain't you? 
I'm left-handed. No? All right. Well, I got on him. I've been on him a few times, and I would get on him again. If I drew him, I would get on him. I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't probably pick him. <laughs> if he went left, I might. It'd be a little bit easier. Uh, but I got on him before he made the tour when he was a little younger, and – Dude, that was like the scariest. I got so lucky. <laughs> he come out. He never did turn back, but boy, he was jumping five foot in the air every time and twisting and just rolling and belly rolling. He brought me from, I mean, my head was by his, right by his butthole. <laughs> Next thing I knew, you know, and you're just getting slung to the front. And I was just like, oh, here it comes. And I got so lucky. I went past his head and did a front flip into the dirt. And he did, he just about did a flip over me. <laughs> yeah. oh my gosh, I never want to get on that sucker again and then I make it to the big tour I'm like all right cool and then next thing you know he's coming there too I'm like son of a gun I can't get away from this bull because he's a Utah bull uh-huh. and so yeah I couldn't get away from him like and the guys that own him great people too and they're always telling me that, like make sure you make the short round so you can pick Dennis I'm like I really don't want to pick probably Dennis. probably not <laughs> probably not. I'll, I'll just try to be higher up there if I get left with him I'm damn sure gonna try him you know what I mean but uh, he's I just, very I'd like to. I, he's real. He definitely looks tricky getting around the corner. But I think getting around the corner, I think he, I think it may get a little better. I don't know. He might, but you never seen anybody do it, so it's, it's hard Only, to say. Dalt Castle got on him in the dark. Yeah, went out and and yeah. just rode him. I think he was like seven. Yeah. That was a really nice trip. He did. He he was a really nice trip. He generally does not do that coming out of the shoot, but. When he comes around, but at the same time, you know, I could be wrong because uh, I forget where we were at, and I told Zane Cook because he came back and he was like, he had four picks, and I told him the bull you want is Dennis the Menace, and man, I built it up. He didn't know anything about Dennis the Menace, and I sold it. That's him. some shit Bob would do to me, Bob and Cole. And that's some shit they would do to me. Like and you're gonna love this bull. Yeah, that's what I did, and he didn't love him. He did freaking <laughs> lawn dart thing freaking again got on the flank and that sucker rolled and yeah he's with him there's a few bulls that they just somehow like you can be sitting perfect next thing you know all of a sudden you're on the on their flank yeah it's like i I can't even figure out how that twisted steel bull did that to me earlier this year too like sitting perfect next thing you know all of a sudden boom like they just move forward so fast and so hard that dennis the menace bull was he was a real deal. I, I oh shit, what happened? There we go. Back. I bet he's strong too. I bet you feel all of it. Yeah, yeah, I would say so. I honestly, I think I got on him when he was like a two-year-old coming three, because I, I got on a little Red Bull at the, the the guy's house that owned him, and they raised him, and uh, I I rode him the first time I got on him. If it was, I think it was him. Cause it's hard to say they got so many bulls. I got on like three bulls that just that day <laughs> and uh, I rode him. And then next thing you know, he's trying to kill everybody in the pen. And then <laughs> next thing I came back and my buddy got on him. He knocked him out, knocked the bullfighter out. I was the only one left. Everybody was knocked <laughs> out. Like, Oh shit. And so kind of right there, he just started his notorious, you know, the legend of old Dennis, the menace started right there. And then I had to get on him at a fraturity for him. And yeah, I did my little front flip off of him. And and uh, I was like, oh, man, this, I don't want no more. Don't want no more of that. And there's a bunch of good ones, too. He's kind of a little bit dirty, but 
Yeah, there's a lot of good ones too, and and that's the thing is there's a lot of good ones that that aren't dirty about it that aren't gonna try and freaking drink it out and kill you every time. You'll probably get scored more. That's the biggest thing. Like when it comes to that championship round, is like if you can write if you write in it's a minute, you're writing freaking really good. Like so that's more of a self test. Like you know, I want to ride that bull because I know how to get pulling out your new JB right there. That's all that is. is It's not. You're not gonna win the short round on him unless you're the only guy to ride or. Or I say that you could win the short round on Dennis Domenech. It depends on how the judges are feeling. If you're going to be 85 or if you're going to be 95, it just depends. He's not right in the gate, and you also could get in there and you know draw one that you know you're going to be freaking 92 on. You know, like I mean, two years ago, you know you had Dennis Domenech, but you also had Whoopa. You know, like <laughs> yeah, that bull got better, honestly. When they retired him, he was just getting better. Yeah, they he was freaking he was killing it. But at the same time, he put up such high scores. Like, can you? How much more can you go up? <laughs> yeah, no, I mean honestly, just give them the, give them the book, let them mark themselves hundred points. That bull was so freaking cool, and he honestly he would look he looked funner to ride, easier to ride when Jose rode him the first couple of times when he was smaller. I wouldn't say it was easy necessarily, but watching that bull get bigger and stronger and then start going the other direction. And when he would go the other way, he would really freaking get it. And uh-huh. I think that might, the fact that he was getting stronger was probably why they retired him. They're like, this bull's going to hurt himself fucking that hard. Yeah, it's possible. And he did freaking, he he meant it when he come around them corners. <laughs> oh, dude, he would get, oh, he would, yeah, he'd dig down in that. He'd go from blowing up in the air and then just get real low and really crank it and start freaking kicking hard. That's one of the. That's one of the freaking. I I guess it depends on how you ride. Like a guy like Boudreaux, that feeling of a bull cutting up underneath you like that, freaking Boudreaux style, just perfect. It, yeah, a funny road. Then you know, but then you have those bulls that really move ahead and freaking rare a lot. And that's one of them bulls that really would freaking – I mean, he'd blow up, but he'd cut under. That's a whole different feeling. Like, the feel of a bull, it's cutting – it's almost like you feel like you have to freaking get your hips way out in front of you. <laughs> like, yeah. otherwise, or you're just, just going to get pulled down. <laughs> yeah, pretty much, yeah. Just sit up, sit up on that rope and just yeah. put your knees up as high as you can. And just push yourself back. Because, yeah, and he goes from bucking one, one way – to completely different when he switches so it's like two different bulls you gotta completely change the way that you're riding him which you know, is weird so what's what is interesting though is once you can really get tapped out tapped off on that front end where you have that feel you can yeah. anticipate a little bit of they're gonna come low and yeah. it's almost like you're riding them so good one way in your mind you can completely anticipate something else happening and still be doing exactly what you're doing yeah, yeah. Shoot, when I'm on my game and I'm I'm really riding the front end like I'm supposed to, it you can feel it in your knees. You can feel it which way they're gonna move, and it kind of if you've done it enough, you don't even have to really think about it. You just know instantly that something what's about to happen. You know. Well, and that's interesting too because, like I say, you think about it and stuff, but it's not really a thought. It's not like a thought. Like I'm thinking, like it's more of a, a anticipated reaction, like. You you know you're in, anticipating what these bulls are doing, you know, almost before they're actually it's actually happening. It's probably actually happening, 
it's just you're feeling it at the very beginning of back time. It's it's weird how much like how fast your brain can think something. It's yeah. so <laughs> how fast you can think a whole like thought, like a whole like almost page of thoughts in that amount of time. Like you get it chipped into your hand a little bit, and you can feel that bull like about to go away from you, and you like can go through the whole thing in your head. All right, I gotta do this. Wait. <laughs> To get to that point, and once I'm there, I have to start doing this yep. because if I keep doing what I'm doing, it's gonna screw me. It's like it's so weird how many different things you can think like that that quick if you're not if you're just going off reaction, you're not anticipating, you're not worried about it and anxious about these things. You just that and that's why you should be practicing every day, riding every day. Just that muscle memory, it's it's so powerful. Well, how how closely connected our feels are to our mind. Like it's because you can't even, I mean, there's times where like you'll be making a jam up bull riding and everything's happening like without even you being able to freaking recall it. It's happening that quickly. That's my favorite when I get off and I don't even really know what happened. <laughs> yeah, I was just there. Yeah. 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 No, hundred percent. Especially yeah. like, you know, you'll get those times too where, like you're in a compromising situation and then all of a sudden that bull does something that just like puts you in like it's almost like you're in a spot where you're holding and you have to hold that position and that bull will do something and it kind of puts you in this spot and immediately your body just takes over and starts making those corrections. And next thing you know, you know, it's a freaking whistle. Yeah. And that happened over like four or five seconds. <laughs> What's up, everybody? I'm thrilled to announce a fantastic partnership between the Rodeo Wagon Podcast and Rodeo Life Official. Rodeo Life isn't just a coffee brand. It's a veteran-owned business that epitomizes the principles of hard work, dedication, and perseverance in all their products. As an avid consumer of Rodeo Life Coffee... I am proud to align myself with a company that mirrors my values and resonates with our audience. Supporting this veteran-owned business is not only a testament to our shared ethos, but also a way to give back to those who have served our country. This partnership promises exciting content, collaborations, and surprises for all our listeners and the rodeo community. You can anticipate special episodes featuring the Rodeo Life experts and even a chance to win some Rodeo Life merchandise. We look forward to this journey with Rodeo Life and the enriching experience it will bring our audience. Join us as we venture into this partnership, fueled by a passion for rodeo and a great cup of Rodeo Life coffee. Stay tuned for more exciting updates and the amazing things to come from the Rodeo Wagon Podcast and Rodeo Life Official. Make sure you go to rodeolifeofficial.com and check out all their sweet merch. Are you searching for that perfect statement? Look no further than Bluegrass Engraving, where creativity meets craftsmanship. Their specialty lies in creating custom buckles and dip cans, but that's not all. They redefine elegance with an exquisite line of jewelry. And for those who appreciate a little flair, check out their engraved guns collection. At Bluegrass Engraving, they don't just create products, they craft experiences. Visit Bluegrass Engraving today and let them turn your visions into engraved realities. Bluegrass Engraving, where artistry meets authenticity. Hey there, folks. I want to tell you about my favorite cowboy hat brand, Sombrero Brands. As a professional bull rider, I know how important it is to have a hat that not only looks good, but can withstand the toughest rides out there. And that's exactly what Sombrero Brands delivers. Their hats are custom-fitted and shaped to perfection, with a level of attention to detail that's hard to find these days. But what really sets Sombrero Brands apart 
is the fact that they're a family-owned and operated business. Mark and Kendall Holler, the owners, and their daughter Sarah, who's only 13 but already a hat-making prodigy, are all passionate about their craft. They know what it takes to make a cowboy hat that can stand up to anything the rodeo circuit can throw at it. And get this, the founder's grandfather, Polly Holler, was born and raised at South Camp on the Four Sixes Ranch. These folks have got cowboy blood running through their veins, and it shows in every hat they make. That's why I'm proud to have Sombrero Brands as a major sponsor for my podcast, the Rodeo Wagon Podcast. So if you're in the market for a hat that's tough enough to handle anything the rodeo throws at it, give Sombrero Brands a try. Trust me, you won't be disappointed. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that that feeling and, and that that you have to, it just comes from falling off a lot, honestly. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, staying on enough pools and falling off them. So when something feels, you know, when you, it's about to happen, you know what I mean? You know, you know what that feeling is like and what you could possibly do to counteract that. You have to go to falling off and, and you really have to learn. That's how you learn is falling off bulls. If you're getting on stuff, you're staying on every single time and they're going into your hand every time or whatever it is and just perfect bulls and you're never getting tested to a point where you're going to learn something new. You're never going to be able to have that that muscle memory and that ability to, to do those things well there's so much of it that's and like you know i remember kevin gross you know lived by me and and he did a lot he raised a lot of bucking bulls and stuff and i remember going over there and him telling me like hey you need to get on these better bulls if you want to ride them because like you're going to feel new things these bulls don't feel the same and so really yeah. learn, you know it's really important you know even if you're going to a practice pen or something you know, if you're working on something, it's really about the feels like and you should you should want to ride a bull for eight seconds every time you get on. them. So that's that's primary. However, there's times where you learn so much from like a new feel. And that first time you feel something, you know, you're not able to react the way it should. But the following time you're able to connect these dots and your body can make those adjustments because you felt it. before. Yeah. Yeah, and it's, there's, it's different at every level you get to. There's a step, I mean, from going, like, I was riding pretty damn good when I finally made the the PBR tour, and uh, it was a whole nother step in itself, just going from velocity PBR bulls to UTV PBR bulls. Was, uh, and that was the hardest step I've ever taken, and it was, to me, I thought it was going to be the smallest, easiest. I'm already in the PBR. Right. You know what I mean? I thought it was just, just, just you know, a step higher. Just a little bit more because my whole life, I, I thought I was taking, you know, able to take pretty big steps and stuff at, at one time. And But it, that is the biggest, hardest step. It, it is insane how much harder they buck, even the ones that are good to ride. In the yeah. 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 It's, it's crazy how my, how smart they are, how much stronger they are, how much bigger every bull. Holy crap. They're so big. But, all of them. You don't have the forgiveness. Like that forgiveness is not there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Before, yeah, it seemed like anything that really bucked, you know, that would challenge me, it was like the first couple jumps out of there. If I could bear down through that, then the bull's like, oh, I don't know what to do anymore. I'll buck everybody off at that time. Then they just get nice. They don't They don't give up like that once you get to a level where you can have had Joao and guys <laughs> like it's just manhandling them for 12, 12 seconds at a time and stepping off on their feet. They don't give up. And uh, it's it goes from 
uh, fun thing, you know what I mean? Having fun riding bulls and being able to spur on stuff a lot to to work on your ass off for 10 seconds and trying to get off without getting hurt. It's yeah. it's a lot harder to do. And, I mean, that's not – it's still fun. You know, it's still bull riding stuff. I wouldn't rather do anything else, but it just – it surprised me. <laughs> it did. For yeah. Sure. Yeah, 100%. And like you said, I think the biggest thing is – and I was talking to Mickey Robinson, and, you know, last year he had a classic bull and stuff, and he's talking to, you know, some guys that he's partnered with and, they're you know, about different bulls he has and, like, whether you should take a bull to the PBR. And his thing was, like, the, guy, the guys that are going to be getting on your bull to the PBR will break a bull. So your bull better freaking have the steel – if you're going to put them in these, you know, tour events, because if you can't handle, you know, Joe Al getting on a bull and freaking, you know, you know, or half of these guys, it's not even the Brazilians anymore. The bulls there are so strong and powerful. You have to take a tight rope. You can't just freaking take a, a loose rope. It don't work. It you doesn't. You have to slide. You'll be out of position <laughs> at one point and you need rope to stay where it's at. You can't have. And then your rope has no give to it, so the bull's built even stronger. If you can't have some a little bit of a looseness to your rope to be able to kind of give you some give, like I rode with a loose rope my entire life, and then I started, I got on the PBR tour, and the Brazilian rope made a little more sense to me as far as you know riding. It just seemed like it held you there, you know, like more of an anchor. But the uh, flip side, it's like a freaking anchor, and it it gets dropped sometimes. You got to hold on to that stuff. <laughs> Yeah, um, that is yeah, you're in there. You're freaking. Yeah. yeah, and you have to get your rope real sticky because you have to be in there. If you're not, they'll just take your rope from you. And, and it's, matter how it's crazy how much they will take a rope from you. And that's the worst feeling when you go to your fingertips on a really ranked bull. Oh, it's the worst feeling. Like yeah. there's, there's a balance there, you know, and a lot of bulls that aren't that good and that are kind of dying off. You go to your fingertips and you can kind of find that spot. But on them rank bulls, you can't just, you can't find that spot. You gotta keep working. Yeah, you have to have a good bull. If you're on your fingertips, you you don't have the ability to be able to make those big moves that you have to make on these bulls because they are there's very few and far between are you gonna be in the perfect spot and not really have that much pressure on your hand and stuff like you're gonna be getting tested and put in positions and get out of position and and stuff so many times on these bulls like yeah if you're at your fingertips that's why i use so much damn rosin and then on the flip side I, I get hung up sometimes even in a brazilian rope but if you don't yeah you're just you're definitely not gonna ride a bull without a rope sometimes you get hung up while you're on them and you yeah can, you can get off <laughs> getting off of the brazilian rope is different and hard too you have to I used to be able to get off my American rope just fine, but also I'd get hung up, you know, if you get flung off away from your hand and my shoulder just couldn't take that anymore. But um, getting off of the Brazilian rope, you can get off either way. It's almost easier to do it away from your hand most of the time. But for one, yeah, I use so much damn rods and I am stuck in there. So if I'm not in the perfect spot, if there's pressure on my hand, it's stuck. <laughs> like sometimes they're like, man, that guy just don't let go. It's like, I can't, I can't let go. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I know my head's about to hit the ground. It's like, oh man, could probably prevent this a little bit, but I, I'm not willing to not, you know. It's not just me not letting go. I'm making sure that if I want to let go, I literally can't. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes I want to let go when I know I'm about to get 
flung into the ground hard as shit, and I'm trying, you know, I'm trying to get back into position, but there's a a point where you're 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 just hung. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, no, dude, I was stuck. I was definitely stuck. I was hoping the whistle would blow before I got unstuck, but I knew. I mean, I would have <laughs> let go if I could have just a split second sooner. <laughs> but yeah, you have to be stuck to these bulls because you. I mean, you're not strong enough. These bulls, you're not strong enough for a regular bull. To, uh, you know what I mean? That's not on a program to make themselves huge and good as possible. You can't. You're not stronger than them, and you're definitely not stronger than one of the, than one at the top of the game. So you pretty much have to be willing to say, "Hey, I'm a, I'm probably going to be stuck to this one if things don't go right." And that's well, you, and you, a lot of times you know it before you nod too, just when you're taking your rep. <laughs> Dude, there's times when, yeah, I can't, like, I go to bring my rope back through my hand and I can't open my fingers to get it back through there. I, open I better make sure I get off good today. <laughs> yeah. Gonna, hand is going to stay, so if I keep one leg on each side of them, I just, all I'm going to have to figure out is how to get off. <laughs> or, uh, uh, every once in a while, I'll go and, so you go over the first rap. And in the second rep, you take it over and you put it in and you close your hand and then you feel like something's not right. So you go to open up your hand to kind of readjust your rope and it doesn't open up. And you're just like, well, I guess it's good. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. That That's why the high rise on that Brazilian rope is you can at least get your hand like it's going to be stuck due to the sticky ass rosin that we have. But you can at least you're not going to get stuck like you would in American rubs biting down on your hand and rolling over. So my thing is, and this is this was a, a mental change I had to make this past year is. So I went from using that a, more of a Brazilian that was a higher rise, but I didn't ride as good in it. And so I yeah. went like a Blake Lewis rope that is pulled. It pulls down just like an American, but it's a Brazilian rope, and that's kind of scary when you get in a position where you're riding. Where it's pulling down on your hand like an American, but you're tied in there with a Brazilian. That's a freaking, like, you just have to be com committed. But at the yeah. same time, I rode so freaking good like that. Yeah. It's that, yeah, it's that fine line of, yeah, you got to be committed and willing to put yourself in that position. But also, you're going to get, you're going to get put in that position. So you better mean <laughs> yeah. it. With... <laughs> yeah, that's, I yeah, miss, but... I miss the way that American rope feels sometimes just because I was so used to that growing up. But then there are positions I've been put in with the Brazilian rope that I know for a fact I never would have got back to the center with my American rope. 100%, especially getting tipped off into your hand. Right there, exactly. The very first time I ever used a Brazilian rope, that's what happened. I got on two bulls that day. Both of them come out and just rolled me into my hand and went away from me immediately. And somehow all I did was just hang on and just throw my <laughs> elbow down to my, my inside knee pretty much. And it's just caught me back up in the middle. I was like, wow, there's something. It feels weird because <laughs> it feels like my hand's down by my knee, but somehow I'm in the middle. Yeah. So that, that sold me instantly on it. But there's – I don't know very much about a Brazilian rope still, so it's hard to, to know when one's good and when one's not good. You know what I mean? Because it can feel good in your hand, but sometimes it won't stay on their back in the right spot no matter how tight you pull it. Right, yeah. So that's the thing that I'm having an issue right now is where do I put my rope? Because if I put it in one spot, it's good for bulls to go away from my hand. If I put it in another spot, it's good bulls going into my hand. I, I want that sweet spot where it doesn't matter. I can ride either way. 
for some reason I have such a hard time finding that right now with my ropes. And they're the same ropes I've always used. I mean, they're not exact. It's a different one, but it's a. I don't know why. Yeah, uh, man, that's that's a legitimate thing. That was even like last year. I forget where we were at. We were in a short run, and Andrew was getting on. Uh, oh, it's that blue speckled bull, um, Grand Theft. Grand Theft, yeah, big spot. Yeah, looked him off a couple times. I believe it was Grand Theft, and and so Andrew's like, I'm gonna freaking because he keeps getting me freaking away from my hand, and tipped me into my hand. So he moved his rope towards the center of the bull's back. And did freaking strap it all over him, but yeah. at the same time, you can't get in the habit of it's. It, there's a fine line there, like because yeah. if a bull, if you got if you got it too far towards the center, and that bull goes back into your hand, that's they rope. Yeah, that's that's tough. You, if oh, they all, if they were to stay committed going right, it would be perfect. But do you think if we have like if we didn't have to have the pad on the bottom of the Brazilian rope? Do you think it would slide if we if there's no pad under there? good question yeah that's a really good question because I, 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 like, I just got a new ropes and um i was looking i'm like dude i wonder if maybe keeping the pad but slicing it right where right where the block's at so it has a little bit of like can kind of bite onto their back because they, they're just so, so they're padded and smooth and like i get my rope tight but like i mean you can only get it so tight and then that rope even i like last week, or not last week, but in Tucson, the very first pull that I got on, um, my rope was a little too far in the center, so I re-pulled and put it down a little bit farther, and then I decided it was a little bit too far down to the side, so I wanted to just tug it just a little bit to see if it would come up, and it slid all the way back to the middle of where it was the very first time, and I was like, this is as tight as I can get it, too. This guy's pulling as hard as he can. I was like, oh, no. You know what I mean? I'm like, that. so that, I'm having a big issue with my ropes right now, and trying to figure that, that part out, and I'm wondering i and not you don't want to go and ask a, you know the competition department of the PBR, hey can i do this and they're gonna probably say no but if i do it, and is it against the rule or am i gonna get in trouble i feel like the pads are just making the rope slide and i don't want to hurt a bull with my rope they say the pet but i don't think that rope's gonna hurt any of these bulls anymore all their backs are freaking six Pretty inches wide at least yeah. and they got the it's not like okay if they if there was like a bony back yeah, then yeah. No, there's no bony back bulls in the PBR, and if they are, you see them one time and then yeah. they're gone. They come back and they're huge. Either yeah. way. Yeah. Yeah, hundred so, percent. They've got. I don't understand the pad under the rope rule. I've never rode. I never rode with a pad my whole life with an American yeah. rope, but then you had to with the Brazilian. So I, I mean, I just always have. So, yeah, that's my big issue right now. I'm trying to get my rope not to freaking slide. If, if I should be using a brand new rope all the time or if I should break it in. Like, I, I use the same rope from eighth grade till my second pro rodeo, and it broke, or else I'd still be using it today. But that, That's real, too, is freaking um, – and I remember, well, heck, I uh, you had one. It was, uh, where were we at when I borrowed your rope? And I was going through rope so freaking quick. It was literally like every two events I was having to get a new rope. Yeah, and, you're right back all the time. And then um Cody Nance was telling me after I borrowed yours, he's like, he's like, Yeah, at this level you go through a lot more ropes. And uh it's true. Like the amount of rosin you have to put in, you know, you go through more ropes, you go through more gloves, yeah. but the ropes are a big deal because it's really difficult to get a rope that is identical and that 
you know. Yeah. Every, by the same guy, everything's the same, yeah. but it doesn't feel the same. It's right. just so weird. It's so weird. And it's just these minor little differences in it that you can't even see. And it drives me nuts. I, I had a rope that I used for like two years, and then I, I decided to get a new one because I was like, ah, I'd probably have to get a new one in case something happens to this one. So I bought a few, and then my buddy wanted a rope, so I give it to him. And then I just been using my ropes. Well, I went back up to his house, and it'd been a couple years since I'd given it to him. So that rope's pretty damn old. And I used it again at his house, and I was like, this thing, I almost took it back, but I didn't want to be mean. <laughs> and it's, I mean, it's damn near identical. It's made by a different guy, but it's damn near identical to the ropes that I have now. But some, for some odd reason, it you don't even have to worry about where you need to put the rope. It just pulls down right where it's supposed to go every time and then doesn't slide. I, I just, the, the rope things really got me stumped right now. And you ask different people and they all have different, different answers for you on what you need to do and, and, and why. Yeah. So that, that's the definitely got me stumped right now. I'm trying to figure that out. But. Yeah, I know. I know what you're saying. And it sucks, too, when you're going through a phase where rope sliding on you. That's the worst. And it's so frustrating. It is so frustrating. Oh. And it, yeah, it is frustrating too because then sometimes you get to feeling like, well, maybe it's just me. It's just my head. I'm yeah. just up here. You know what I mean? I just need to not worry about it. But the more I not worry about it, and then I go and put it on one and it just freaking feels like crapping. And I'm like, obviously, I got to do something. So I don't know what the deal is. It's pads. But I, I think all the bull riders in the PBR need to get together and we all need to sit down with, with everybody in charge in the PBR. We all need to have a talk and some chance and and figure out some rules together and talk about things together rather than separately and and come to some conclusions on some things because there's there's a balance there's a balance between like what you have to do to protect these animals and what these guys are going through to try to ride these animals and when you're bringing bulls that buck this hard you know it's really (laughs) important for us to be able to have the proper tools to be able to put ourselves in a position where we can, you know, ride these bulls more consistently and for the longevity of our careers. Because when you got like your rope sliding, that's not only is that super inconvenient for your career, it's also very dangerous. <laughs> very dangerous. And, and, and then there's that line of, of, oh, you're just complaining about everything. You know what I mean? You, right. And you got, yeah. And you can't bitch about everything because, you know, it's a cowboy way. And I get it. I'm, you know, I'm, I don't want to bitch about everything. I think that I need to figure out my own deal with my rope. That's nobody else's fault. But there is a lot of things that, that uh, don't make sense to me. And I can't get a straight answer as to why things are the way they are, no matter who I ask. And it's just like, well, it just goes up to competition department. It's like, well, why don't we all make it's professional bull riders? We, that's, that's me. I'm one of them. I have never been in a meeting and had any say about anything ever. None of us have, and it doesn't make any sense as to why we don't, or at least, you know what I mean, be able to sit in and hear about some of this stuff that's going to happen rather than getting emailed. This is how things are now. Right. Good luck complaining about it. Yeah, and and that's it, and hopefully you check that email. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and hopefully I, I'm terrible about that. I don't freaking <laughs> look at emails. I, I, I don't even look at the draw hardly. I don't look into – there's usually a day sheet in the I'm, – I'm there an hour and a half early, two hours early every time. That's plenty. Plenty yeah. of time to read a piece of paper that's got a bull on it. So I don't look at that kind of stuff. I'm a bull writer. You got me there. I don't do emails. So, yeah, <laughs> I, I don't even see. Yeah, and I mean, yeah, 
I don't know. It just seems like there there needs to be a lot more transparency and 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 talking with and the actual bull riders when it comes yeah. to just like that. Rosin in the block, you know that was a big one. Um, man, a Who lot. Can't? Of- Why is? What does that matter? I think the only reason that it's even in the rule book, which nobody's ever told me this, but it logically it's the only thing I can think of, is they don't want that your hand coming out of your rope and the rope staying on the bull's back. That makes sense. I can't see, yeah, but I can't see that happening unless it comes through, like through, like if you're holding on to your tail and it came through the handle, maybe. Yeah. If it was, a- sticking, but that is not going to happen. That's the only thing I can even think of on that is like that's the only reason I could think them saying, you know, you shouldn't rise in your block. But like stuff like that, that's a big deal when you're, you know, you're bringing in these bulls and freaking, they're getting better and better. Than you. We're just trying to freaking take advantage of what we have. You know, it's not like we're. Yeah, the bulls are getting better <laughs> and they're making every rule catering towards the bull. And you know what I mean? And just like, yeah, just making it harder and harder on us. Yeah, and that uh, makes a whole lot of sense. Some of the stuff that they do, and yeah, the pat. Uh, there's so many, so many questions you have. They'll be like, "Well, you can't do that," and you ask them why, and it's like they can't even tell you why. Yeah, like, that's the rule. Like, okay. Yeah, yeah. I th- my biggest, I think my biggest complaint with all of that is the rule changes throughout the year. It's not even consistent. It's just there's so many ones, and and it's not even like all of them are bad. I'm not even saying that the changes that are made are the wrong changes. I'm saying. Like when you have twelve different standings change in a year, like we got there's issues here. <laughs> Big problem there, yeah. When you have, you're changing that many things, and and it's weird the stuff they will change and the stuff that they'll ignore. Yeah, <laughs> they'll change things over and over again and completely ignore ignore an actual issue and pay it no mind. It's yeah. When you get to the finals, you've had a rule be the same all year long, and then you get to the finals, and they have a meeting about, hey, we're changing this right before the final starts. Like, why didn't? Well, you should probably wait till next year to change. They were talking about uh, the challenges. Um, uh, there's no more reviews, basically. Like the judges can't say, hey, we're gonna take a look. It has to be a yeah. coach throw flag. Okay, why do you change that right before the finals? Why did you wait? You know what I mean? If I see if you just barely had the idea, well, obviously that's something we need to implement next year. But how can you change have <laughs> have an event and then change the rules at the very freaking end? It doesn't make any sense at all, at all. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't. I man, they did. They've done that. Every year, it seems like this past year was maybe the worst. I, oh. I don't know, too. Like, I think it's getting confusing, too, with like the team stuff in the regular season. I wish they would commit to one, maybe. I like, I, I, I like a both. I don't have an issue with either one, really. <laughs> yeah, but you can't be running them simultaneously in, in the same year. I mean, I guess you could run them simultaneously, but you can't run one for half the year and then one. You either got to have UTB all year that you're doing or team series, and you got to commit to one or the other, I think. I think so, too. And, I again, I don't know that they're the wrong answer. I don't, I'm don't. i not saying that we should get away with teams or we should get away with the regular season. I like them both, for sure. Like there's, both there's, like, both. They're unique. And I, I guess yeah. you could, they could – 
make two tours and just like you choose whether you want to do teams or whether you want to do regular season. Yeah, because they've condensed the regular season to it's it's not long enough. It's short. And then, and then you have no break going into the teams where you've signed contracts and committed to ride for people. You know what I mean? You, it's a whole nother deal. It's it goes from just you taking care of yourself, which is already hard enough. To riding for somebody, you know what I mean, and and having that on your mind and wanting to do well for them too, and whether that be you know riding for your teammates or the owners or, or whoever else, but I mean, it just seems like you can't do you can't do both half-assed. You got to do, you got to go all the way with with either one of them. I think one of the biggest you know practical ways which we see that the detriment of that is. Okay, as a fan, you want to go to the PBR and watch the best bull riders in the world, you know, being a cowboy and pushing the limits, right? But now you come to, like, the end of the regular season, going into the world finals, and guys, now they have a just choice. Like, hey, I can either push through some of these injuries because that's the cowboy way and I'm going to go to Vegas. Or, but at the same time, right after finals, I got this team series and I committed to this team. So what am I more committed to? The team, we have to say, hey, I'm committed to both of them, which is so hard to do because, yeah, that's how I am right now. I'm like, oh, I need to go get my wrist fixed or I need to go get something fixed. Well, this will be the like fourth, third, fourth year in a row that I have to go and get something fixed and I can't ride at these events that I want to go. Like, I, I haven't been able to ride at a, an event close to my hometown and in front of my family ever on the professional tour because of injuries. And so I'm at the point where I'm just like, you know what? This is just how it is. You're a bull rider. You signed up for this. Power through it. So I'm going to power through this season. And then when team starts, I, I would want to be totally 100% healthy for them because I'm signing a contract to ride for them. But I know for a fact I'm not going to be because I'm going to power through this regular season and um, try to win that. And yeah. then – I'm going to ride for my team because I've, I've already committed. I haven't signed my deal for this next year, but I know what's going to happen and I'm committed to ride for them too. So that's, that's I'm going to have to double down on it. And it's, I'm going to be even more broken at the end of this year than I was at the end of the last year. You know, I know that's going to happen. Uh -huh. So it would be nice if I could say, Hey, um, we're doing the UTB like we used to do it all year long. You get that break in July or whatever they do. And you can go to that or you can say, hey, no, I'm just a team rider. I'm going to ride for my team and they pay you accordingly. You know what I mean? For saying, hey, I'm going to give myself to you instead of going doing my own deal and just do the teams all year long. I, I, I feel like doing both of them half-assed and it's it's making both of them worse. I, I do think like that. They, they need to put everything. I think they're going to probably change that. Again, some of this stuff I think you're kind of forced to. But, I mean, heck, that could be their overall goal. They may want to go towards that. You know, I know Sean's even alluded to it in the past. Um, but he has to go all, all team, right? Like, no more UTB. Well, See, I don't want to do that. I don't know that that's true. And, again, this is transparency because there is none. But, like, so in his podcast with uh, um, uh, Tanner Byrne, um, he – talked about this was a long time ago he talked about how you'd have the teams and then you would have a regular season and the regular season would still give out the million dollar bonus and riders would choose to just do a regular season but then 
that there would also be a team series and that a lot of writers would choose to do the team series instead. Basically, but, yeah, what we're just saying. Yep, just like we were just saying. However, I have not heard of that. Now, um, I know one of the guys overall, the team stuff, Kent, he talked about doing minor league series, like having a team and then having minor leagues. Yeah, that guy's just adding way too many leagues to this deal. You got Velocity, <laughs> Challenger, UTB, Teams. What the hell else can we add? And it's like they're just throwing more stuff in there, and then they're taking money from each one and putting it where they need to to advertise, oh, look how much more money we got. We're screwing these guys. Don't, don't look at that. It doesn't make any fucking sense, dude. Don't. Sorry, I didn't mean to just drop the F-bomb on you. But, um, <laughs> dude, why? 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 It doesn't make any sense why he's want to add more stuff. Why? Why would you have a minor league? There's not enough bull riders to have all these leagues in the freaking PBR, dude. There is not enough bull riders in the world. There's plenty of bulls and bull owners nowadays, but it's like two kids from every state every couple of years that come up that are going to be professional bull riders, and you can see it happen and hope that they don't get hurt before that happens. How many bull riders do you think are out there? And and if we all could just get collectively get together as a group, all as professional bullers, we have so much leverage. We could get them to do exactly what we want, but we're not all standing together, and so they use that against us. And they don't, they don't want, they don't want us to get together, which is kind of weird because I think it is for the betterment of even them. Like I, I believe that PBR would benefit. Why did the PBR start? Because they were sick of the shit. They knew that bull riding could be a standalone sport, and they could run it the way that they want it. So they went and did that. And then it got sold off, and now the bull riders don't run it anymore. It's same issues that they were having, the reason that they left and made a new association. And it's not going to be easy to make a new association and rival the PBR. But I, mean, I don't know, man. It seems like if he doesn't change some things, then it's going to just – I don't the know. Ships... All I know is that some of these events uh, from pretty freaking reliable sources, they're giving away 90% of the tickets. You, you're losing money, dude. I know you're losing money. When you're <sighs> – Everybody can see it, and I'm not the smartest guy. I ain't no accountant, and I don't pay attention to as much as some people do on this, but it is plain to see that you're losing money, dude, and you're trying to start more stuff to, to keep up to fund other things. It's like you're paying off credit cards with other credit cards. Like, that's all he's doing, man. And it, it, it's easy for me to even see that. So it's like, oh, man, do you hang with that and, and try to help him save the ship or or go down with it, or do we just be like, get away from that and I, I, I don't think it would be hard for us to all get together and do what they did with the 25 bull riders 30 years ago and put in it would be a larger investment today for sure you'd have to put in more than a thousand dollars but hell we all know bull stock contractors we all know arenas we know how to put on a bull ride and i, I think that we honestly should get together and arcadia you were at arcadia too i was there i was in arcadia when that happened and, and it was very plain to see in that moment how much leverage we actually had, but then it never got used again well, because well, he changed then, and then we thought, okay, so this is the, you know, he changed something for us. It's going to be better. It, and it just went right back to the way it was. Yeah. Yeah. You follow the money. It'll tell you what you need to know, especially when yeah. you're talking about corporate, you know, that's what it is. It's just these corporate companies. Yeah. And, you know, it'd be nice if somebody that was, 
running the PBR was just – you just had some guy that was running it that was rich as hell that didn't care about making money, just wanted it to be – and it would end up being better and making more money probably than it is now. Yeah, 100%. But, I mean, it, it seems like it's a cash cow for the guys in charge. And the guys that really own the whole thing from Endeavor probably don't care that much about the PBR because they're not making the money like the UFC and the F1 on all that is. So they can. It's a tax write off for Endeavor. I mean, yeah, so they don't care. They don't care about you can do whatever you want. You run your own little kingdom over there. We don't care. So if they if we made more money for them, I'm sure things would be better. But it's I don't know. I'm not in charge. <laughs> I can't make the decisions. I can make some suggestions and get shot down every time or have somebody <laughs> steal an idea and call it theirs, but what are you going to do? The problem the problem with doing all of that is you got to have enough guys that have the steel to say, look, I'm okay with the consequences that are coming with me because the PBR is not – like you have to be just like in bull riding. You have to be fully committed to that, and you need all the guys because believe me, if – if if Arcadia happens again, guess what? Every single person is going to get threatened. They are going to get threatened. And you're going to have to be able to say, look, your threats don't hold power over me, you know, because yeah. people are scared because this is their livelihood. Like, what? Oh, like, yeah, it's so hard to go up and, and bite the hand that feeds you. Yeah, it is. And when, when, when he's holding back on you, you know what I mean, and not giving you what you deserve, sometimes you got to be willing to, you know, Take take a few, yeah. Just you, we got to be willing to go hungry a couple nights if you really want things to change. And uh, and it takes it takes all the guys to do it. It can't just yeah. be five or six guys. That doesn't make sense either to me. Is you got to be one of the ballsiest motherfuckers in the world to ride bulls, right? You got to be a tough son bitch and have nuts to do it. Because there's plenty of people that want to be a part of this world that don't want to get on bulls. So right there, that, we all have the balls to do this. But, I mean, you can't go anywhere else and make the type of money that you're making in the PBR right now. So, That's I mean, there's a risk right there. But also, like, you got to realize, if we all leave, the PBR fucking sinks, and it's a bigger risk for them. They're not going to go and find better yeah. bull riders. Because, I mean, there's a reason you get where you're at. You're the best of the best. They can't just pick out anybody. You, you no. know, there's only probably 100 guys in the world. 100 guys maybe that you have yeah. to pay. and there's a lot of guys in the in the lower level that are wanting to that want to be there and will go yeah but, but not all very many of them that are going to stay on i mean there's you get you have to get to that level to even be there in the first place you know and there's there's a proving ground so want to go to an event and like it's it's one thing to say i want to do this it's another thing to go get on a bull that's back is freaking three foot wide that's muscles are shaking because there's no fat it's just like shaking. Fat in the box bucking in yeah. there the whole time they tie Walk. them in four different ways and... oh they got tied up they got one, over, <laughs> got one over his flank holding them to the side dude that is the scariest shit when they got him tied up every which way and you're like well at least he probably can't move and then they'll still roll and drop and you're like dude yeah you that that's when it's like yeah do you really want to do this yeah, you really want to keep doing this. <laughs> if you want to keep doing it, yeah, it's one thing to do it once or show up yeah. and keep the big time, you know, every once in a while and have to see it. It's another to every freaking weekend. And it ain't you're going Thursday to Monday most of the time. You're you are gone from your home. And two or three out, out of the days of the week, you're getting on a freaking fire breathing dragon. 
And it is not just eight seconds of it is the moment you start putting your rope on most of these bulls, it begins right there. They can hurt you and they will try. And it, that is three to four times a weekend. That is hard to keep doing. Keith, uh, Keith Hall, he was telling me this past year because I was getting on a bull and this bull had whipped down like three Brazilians in a row and freaking just up and down. And he's oh, like, you better be prepared to look down the barrel. And I did. I freaking, I rode that bull and I was a high mark. I won the round high mark of the weekend. And after that, I was thinking about that because the whole time I was riding him, I just, like, you're on that line between freaking getting killed off and, <laughs> you know, are you going to check out or are you going to freaking stare down yeah. that barrel? And a lot of guys will look down that barrel once and they'll, they'll like the way it feels and they'll tell that story for the rest of their lives. Very few guys want to actually go look down that barrel every time. <laughs> no, no, not many people are going to play Russian roulette every fucking time. <laughs> and that's why you got guys like JB, you know what I mean? And and you got guys that are fucking insanely tough, and that guy's still on a whole nother level. Yeah, yeah it is. Yeah, yeah, for sure. The nuts on that man are fucking insane. Because I'm pretty sure almost – probably at least 90% of bull riders growing up want to be the next JB Mooney, right? <laughs> the price you have to pay to be that is fucking insane. Cause I've tried, I've tried. And I, I mean, people will call me tough. You know what I mean? And I don't think I'm near as tough as a lot of the people I, I look up to. It is, there's a big price that you have to pay just to be a bull rider and to be successful. There's an even bigger price you got to pay to be like, like him. Like and people, like, do you think he's the next JB Mooney? I'm like, I don't know if it will be a next JB Mooney. The thing is, is every single one of us at times is like JB was every time. And what I mean by that is, like, <laughs> you can tap into that sometimes. Exception, I, the, my first championship round, Marcus Mast, I was like, I would come back like tenths, elevenths. I had a good spot. I had like eight bulls. I, I had quite a bit of bulls to pick from, and, um. And uh, I remember Marcus, I was the next guy in line, and Marcus looked at me, and I forget what bull it was. It was a black bull, real mean, um, really, really big, of Chad Burgers. And freaking at that time, nobody had, had rode him. And he's just, in Dinner Barbosa rode him a couple times, maybe last year. He's getting old. Um, yeah. But uh, real big freaking horns, monster horns, and um, all black. Come around to the left. And then sometimes you go right, but super welly. Um, so many bulls, dude. I'm just yeah. There's so many of them. If I knew, if I could remember the name, I would. But anyway, I was going up, and Marcus looked down at me and said, "Hey, pick anybody, any any bull, but this one." And I walked up to Matt West, and I said, "And I picked that bull." <laughs> and you have moments like that, but then also you got to think there's a lot of moments where it's like, hey, that's not maybe the smart decision. So we're going to pick this bull, you know? Yeah, and he did every, every time. time. He didn't every, even care. No. Yeah, to not care that much about, I mean, he obviously wants to win, right? But to not give a shit about it that much, to know that it's going to be the fight of your life, there's something to be said about that, about him testing himself that hard all the time when there was nothing to prove. Yeah. Like, uh, and I'm going, I've gone through it this past, you know, after being hurt so much, like, and and being on tour for a few years, making a couple world finals, it's it's, you, you feel like you don't have as much to prove. You're like, oh, I made it. You know what I mean? I'm on the tour. This and that. I made the finals. 
it's not you're not as hungry as you were making for after doing good at the velocity finals and getting to come on a tour and having something to prove it doesn't seem like it's harder to stay hungry like that when you know you're getting the shit beat out of you every weekend and that some bitch has done it for however 20 years almost long time a <laughs> long time that is crazy. that is crazy it's it's you, you gain a whole new respect after just you know being on the outside looking in and watching on tv you, you can tell that's a tough son of a bitch but really being a part of it and knowing what it actually takes it gives you a whole new freaking respect for that guy it's not yeah 100 percent. it does because it's not even it's not again this stuff you can't even hardly explain to a person that hasn't been there and done that and no. like like it's a whole different world there's a lot of guys that like they they get built up on this, you know almost this romanticism behind it there ain't nothing romantic about this this ain't this, this is not it's like the clips in the movies that make you like man that makes me want to go to war well unfortunately it's hard you know have to break it to you but it's nothing like that in fact you know the moments that jb you know had where you know he probably won the world and stuff that's that probably means very little to him he probably actually enjoyed the fight of actually going to war on the world more than he Oh, dude, yeah, there's something to be, yeah, going to war, yeah, and just having that, really having to work for something and coming out on top is, is way more rewarding than just winning, you know, without having that competition right there, you know, like with him and Silvano, like that, I'm, I'm sure just the times going in and picking a bull that nobody wants when you're also in a world title race with a guy who's staying on everything and also picking bulls he know he can ride and taking like riding everything, like taking some low scores, but literally riding everything and you're willing to go in there and pick bushwhacker still. That's fucking, that's some nuts right there. Yeah. And I, I think the big thing is, you know, like circling back to like the PBR and stuff, like the reason that PBR is what it is is because there's a, few individuals out there that are willing to go and do that consistently and they're mm-hmm. the full majority of this sport and i think that's the foundation and actually we should you know like we shouldn't make fun of these guys that are weakened warriors and they make it feel what it is. however there's a very few select individuals that can do what you need us to do in order to sell this production <laughs> yeah there's yeah so many out there there's very yeah, very few guys that can get to the level we're at and even fewer that you can depend on to sell the show. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you don't wanna nobody wants to go to a bull ride and watch everybody fall off. Yeah. And get to the point where every bull is like the, the the hardest fight of your life just about every single time. And so, you know, if you're gonna raise the bull level that much and and then just keep being hard on the guys. I mean, what do you, what do you expect is going to happen? You're just going to kill us all off, <laughs> and there's no anybody replace us. You could all settle for just like a meal, like hey, if you just feed us, you know, after these. <laughs> <minutes. laughs> yeah, yeah, just just a few, you know, at least be cool to us, you know, not make us freaking buy tickets for our family members and shit <laughs> like that, and and kick kick us out because we have our kids with us at an event. Are you? That is insane to me, the way that they'll treat us at some of these places. Just <laughs> like dogs, dude. We're just like, we're literally treated like gladiators. Like, just go back in your locker room underground there. 
and don't make any noise and don't have any fun down there either. If you're having any fun, we're going to come in there and find the hell out of you. No smoking, <laughs> no drinking. We all did it. We founded this off. We would have tons of beer and smoke back there and chew. And <laughs> we would be doing crazy shit. But if you have any smiles on your faces, we are going to find the shit out of you. That is how it is now. It is, sucks. It is not fun most of the time. It is literally like, I, I feel like I'm on a business trip, like literally going to work instead of having fun. When I'm sitting on a plane with these guys early in the morning and they got their suits and their suitcases and all this stuff and they're going to their job. And I'm like, dude, I, I'm doing what you're doing, but I'm also possibly going to die. <laughs> like, and uh, it's just, it's, it's insane the way that they, they just don't value the bull rider. And that's why the PBR got started and it's turned into the same monster that they got away from. Yeah. I, Dakota, uh, I don't think it was his first event, but it was one of the first events that like he qualified for that wasn't Dakota Eagleburger. Where yeah. he was just like, you know, they brought 80 guys. And he came mm-hmm. up to me and he's like, oh, man, they have food in there. I'm going to get some after I eat. And I said, no, that's not for you. Yeah, dude, you literally have to go steal it. And you have to do it before the event. Don't do it after. It's gone. Yeah. Halfway through, they're cleaning up. Yeah, if you want any hospitality, you have to show up two hours early and be cool with the crew so that they don't say something to you when you walk in there and start stealing shit. Yeah. So... And the fact, yeah, that is just crazy. It's I, I remember when they kicked Dakota Lewis out in Albuquerque for having his son with him in the locker room, who had been in the locker room at countless other events, and we all love the kid. It's not like he's caused any problems. There are some kids that will, will be kind of obnoxious and stuff like that. But that was me when I was a kid, so I don't give a shit. You know, I was wanting to be back there, and I was an obnoxious little annoying sucker. Anyways, every kid that is in the PBR, like all these guys' kids, are just the most behaved, like, they'll have fun, you know, and get wild, but, like, it is insane that they even give a shit about trying to kick them out and not have them there, and, oh, my God, you have to, they didn't even know my name for the first two years. <laughs> like, even if you get hurt, like, I mean, I can't tell you how many times where I've had a concussion bad enough where I didn't even know where I freaking was, and my wife can't get to me, like, I'm like, You'd think that would be like step number one. Make sure there's somebody there to make sure that like the wives and the family, you know, they can get updated. None of the none of the PBR families are together. They're all spread out. Yeah. And then yeah, every every event getting her back there, I have to go and get a separate pass to get her back there. Well, they give me a freaking companion pass when I signed up. When they give me my, what is that for? Literally nothing. And now I got to fill out a freaking paperwork every weekend. Just, uh, it's like, God damn, why are these people, why are there so many people working for the PBR if they're making us fill out all the shit? You better not lose your freaking lanyard because Keyshawn lost it. I think it's Keyshawn. And they make you pay for him. Yeah. Yeah. They make you freaking, they'll make you pay for that shit. I mean, I've been lucky, you know, I try to, I try to sweet talk them and I'll get stuff for free. Yeah. Now <laughs> when they're in a bad mood, you, yeah, there ain't no sweet talking nobody around there and they, they don't give a shit who you are and it's called the professional bull riders it is dakota so last year it was like dakota's third event in a row and he walks into the secretary's room she's like where's your you know thing he's like i've never gotten one because at that time they didn't give him a lanyard they were like giving him stickers he's like and she's like who are you and he's like i'm a writer she's like you're a writer and he's like yeah i've been for like and then 
uh jack or somebody like came up like yeah that's dakota's riding and stuff and they were then they were cool with it and i was just like blow i almost died laughing i'm like what are you doing here like (laughs) i had made two world finals and they were still doing shit like that to me like they had no idea and then they would spell my name wrong i was kyle i was kyle (laughs) and you were both kyle I was Kyle. People would call me Tyler. Like, dude, it got to the point where I just didn't even care anymore. I was like, call me whatever you want. Like, you're not going to remember anyways. You're not going to remember. <laughs> it's, it's insane. Yeah, just the, yeah, the amount that they don't care about the bull riders is pretty crazy. It's wild. Yeah, it's, it is. It's kind of, it is kind of crazy, especially on the hospitality side, like the least you can do. Oh yeah, dude. Exactly. Like, uh, and they'll make us come do stuff for them, and and if they do pay you at all for the promotion you do, it's not very much. They used to be pretty freaking good. They used, used to do to, a lot of. They, they used to do a lot of things different back when there were some guys that were still up there making decisions that were bull riders. Well, they used to be. They're not there anymore. Funny event and getting paid seven hundred dollars plus. They gave me like $2,500 to sign autographs for a couple hours at Walmart. <laughs> Dude, I I've drove myself like 45 minutes to, to, to a radio station early in the morning and spent all day going from radio station to radio station to event to doing promotion all day long. Not got paid at all. <laughs> at all. And I mean, part of it, I mean, good any publicity, you know, getting your name out there is good. So you got to take some things, but like, eh, where's all the money going? (laughs) That's why the transparency is not there. I don't know if it ever will be just with the freaking draw, dude. How can you not make that transparent? How can you not make it out of that? Why does that have to be behind closed doors? Yeah, I agree on that. Yeah, immediately immediately tells you there's something going. Every association I've ever been a part of, amateur high school professional the draw is rigged everywhere you go it, and it's not it, it isn't and you know some places more than others that those amateur deals you talk to the contract hey, wait, wait, they'll, they'll say hey if you come here i'll put you on this bull you know if yeah. you're good enough or or you know a guy like that happened to me my whole life growing up with a couple of people and stuff and like i didn't get treated bad because I was, I was a pretty good writer and i was loyal and i would show up and it you know, wouldn't turn out and stuff so i mean i i got treated good but like if you're not the the guy that they want to win and and i just i i don't want to say come out and say hey they're cheating they're not doing the draw right because i literally don't know there's no transparency but the yeah. fact that you have to hide behind closed doors tells me that there's something going on Every association I've been a part of, even the high school rodeos growing up. That's why I quit going to high school rodeos. <laughs> so freaking corrupt, dude. And you're just losing money the whole time anyways. I didn't even have to. All I had to do was carry gear back to these things, and I still was losing money. And writing <laughs> all my bulls. So, yeah, I quit that shit because of the corruptness. And I, I thought for sure getting to the big PBR level, like, you know, there's going to be some shit here and there everywhere. But I thought for sure things would be a little bit more professional and and well, not as easy to cheat as it is. Triplet, Matt Triplet, he swears up and down that the PBR has cheated for a long time. He said he swears up and down. He said, "Look, he's like I've been in the top five competing for a world title for extended periods of time." And he said there's a major difference when you break into the top. They five. treat you way different, and you get you get a lot more benefits. A lot more. 
you get yeah. all of a sudden the draw works out and the judges that that works out. And... Yeah, at times when you think you're gonna be 84 and you're 89, you're like, damn, nice. <laughs> yeah. And you see other people get screwed, and you're like, I know that was a better ride than mine. You kind of feel bad almost, but it's like, I mean, you gotta take it when you get it because that's the way that their game works. Hundred percent. Yeah, because the next time it'll be you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it might not be you next time. You not might not be the cash cow bringing in views for him, and that's, I mean. Yeah, they're lo- it just seems, yeah, they're just losing money and doing whatever they can to try and keep the shit my, afloat. My big, the biggest thing I want to know is, like, I know they're talking about they're spreading this money out, but like you said, they're spreading it out so many different ways. My question is, how much money are you making to be able to afford to start all of this? Because if you're not making it... He's taking, that's why, he's taking money from these millionaires that are buying the teams. He's taking all their money to help him pay off his this is just speculation. Me and my uncle have our have our own debates about this every morning. He's taking all the millionaires' money, billionaires' money that are buying these freaking teams to pay off shit that he already owes to try and keep that shit afloat. Well, then he's going to – I don't know. Sometimes, he's just trying. Sometimes you got to wreck the car to get the car insurance money to pay the car payment. <laughs> That's exactly it. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes you got to yeah, risk your life to freaking – yeah. Oh, it just, I mean, you know, there's no transparency because so you can't say anything for certain and and stuff like that. But uh, from looking at everything that's happening and being a part of some of it, it just seems to me like, oh, yeah, they're paying how much for a team now? And you started two teams basically for, for free because you started the deal and sold both of them, right? So profit off of both of them immediately, a couple million. And then selling, starting new teams and selling them. Well, I think it's like ten million a team. So Dude, that's a, that's a lot of freaking money. Of and the other thing that's crazy is that when you win the world, you only get a hundred thousand dollars a year for ten years. If this shit, if this ship sinks, that oh, goes it, away. If you you didn't win a million dollars, you want a hundred thousand for however long they have it. <laughs> that. Saying to me that they don't just give you a million dollars. All this money that they're supposedly raking in and raising every year, Sean has a freaking meeting about all this money, talking all these numbers. And every time I'm so like sitting there speculating, like, where are you actually telling the truth? Is there really money coming in? Or are you taking 50,000 from the freaking challenger finals and moving it up into the, into the team finals and screwing those guys? And saying, "Oh, look, we raised fifty thousand more dollars." Like, no, no, you fucking didn't, dude. Was it? I did. I was hurt, but I think not this past year. The year, the year before, it was supposed to like pay out like a hundred thousand or something to the Challenger series, and then they they pulled that money out like going into finals. <laughs> yeah, the year be- the year that I won the year before I won New York, it was a hundred thousand dollars just for the win on top of whatever you know the rounds on top. You have to do good to win, right? So it was $100,000 at least in New York. The year that I won it, the next year, it was 70000 which I get COVID, you know, probably took it took a toll on that. So it dropped 30000 right there. The buckle in the statue and stuff that they give me for the pictures, I didn't get the statue. I don't, <laughs> I don't know where that <laughs> uh The buckle was not the same. It went from being a kind of a cool, like those little two-piece buckles with the um, – you know, those like kind of U-shaped ones. Um, it was one of those. I was like, cool, I don't have a buckle like this. 
the buckle I got in the mail, my daughter wears it. It's a Montana Silversmiths buckle that is like this big. It was probably 150 bucks. That was the kind that I was holding. Maybe you're going to get. Yeah, it's like one like that. Sweet. <laughs> got you back. Yeah, so it was one one like that. Yeah, it was one like that that I was holding for the pictures. And then the one that I got was like this big, Montana, little Montana Silversmith. Probably 150 bucks at the most that they spent on that little thing. My daughter actually wears it around. It's on her belt. But yeah, I have sheep riding buckles that are bigger and cooler than that. That's just... <laughs> so that, like, I was really disappointed. I was like, man, that's that's kind of dumb. But then, uh, you know, I had $70,000. Couldn't really complain too much. <laughs> so, but also, you know, right there, it started the losing. Like, they started to go down. And when you watch, when you watch the... The bull riding, the PBRs, like the, the older ones from back in the day, from like late 90s, early 2000s, at the end of every one of those, it will show you who won and how much money they made. Yeah. And it's exactly the freaking same as what it is today. Oh, yeah. It's not changed. The only thing. I thought it was better then. It was more. And that was in Arcadia. That was a big thing that like Cooper was like, hey, the money hasn't changed. Dude, I mean, I. Yeah. Now this is it. This is what they say. We've spread it out more. Why? Yeah, I don't know because I know there for like two years they stopped paying show up checks. Now last year they made some changes that were good on that end, but again, like it shows you how much they really don't care. And I don't think they're paying show up checks again. I I didn't get one for Tucson. Really? So they've went back to that. I don't think. Well, before I say that, let me look at what they paid me. Yeah, I got here because I remember it was like four hundred bucks when I first got on tour, which was like maybe cover your flight, maybe get you a hotel, maybe if not, it'd take a chunk out of it. But everybody was like, "Man, it used to be twelve hundred bucks," and I was like, "Damn, I wish it was that." And they're like, "Yeah, it used to be good." And then they took the four hundred away, and we're like, "Well, I mean, it doesn't help that much, anyways. You might as well put it into the pot." Right. Yeah. You know what I mean, but. How that everything's just going downhill, and they're trying to say how much better everything is, how much more opportunities and shit they've created and paid more people, and yeah, the watering it down, the certainly spreading it out, but I think it's just to cover up how bad it actually freaking is. It has to be, and they're not they're not spreading it out enough to where it's benefiting anybody that's coming up. Oh, anybody that's yeah down low getting that low yeah. check, it's not actually fucking helping. It's just hurting the guy that actually won because he's not winning as much. Right. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Like Um Yeah. Well, I'm going to get ready to go golfing. So um man, um, uh we'll do this in person this year. So Yeah, um, yeah, let's definitely do one in person. Uh I definitely would like to. It's a lot funner. But it's it's yeah. good. Zoom's nice because it, you can have people on when you wouldn't be able to. So, you know, it's yeah. kind of cool. and I love these podcasts because it gives me an opportunity to talk to my buddies that maybe I haven't got a talk chance to yeah, talk. Yeah, talked to you for freaking ever, man. It's been a long time. Both of us been injured. And yeah, keep you <laughs> yeah, apart. Well, not the other is. I just got a text message that said, "Hey, Kyler, um, are you planning on coming back to Sacramento?" <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Like, um, if I absolutely have to, yeah. I will. <laughs> from the hotel. So. Yeah, 
Yeah, I'll be in the hotel and I'll walk the short distance to the arena and back, and that's the only two places I'll go. Hopefully, I don't step in any hobo shit. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a huge fan of Sacramento, if you can't tell. Old Sac's a little bit dirty these days. <laughs> yeah, that ain't no joke. There's uh, a few of them. It's out pretty there. flying into there. It's pretty, but as soon as you land, it's like, woof. There's, there's another one in Jersey that's really bad. Newark, maybe? I've never been to that. Okay, it's real bad. One of those ones on tour. When they when the PBR said it send out an email, hey, try not to leave the hotel or walk around. Like that's <laughs> we probably shouldn't be here. <laughs> yeah. I can't remember. We were somewhere and we got off the off that little shuttle bus to go eat as a team. Might have been Austin. And there I guess there's some street down there that's pretty notorious notoriously bad you don't want to walk up that especially if you got a cowboy hat on or something like that <laughs> and uh they went to eat and uh jade up steps off the bus boots touch the ground he looks around he goes oh shit we're on sixth street turns around pushes everybody back up on the bus <laughs> like, we're not get-, get back on the bus we're going somewhere else there's a few places i've been where it's a bit it's a bit sketchy yeah yeah, you know, bull riders are some tough individuals, but, you know, when people have guns and you can't carry any, it makes it... Not faster or stronger than a bullet. Yeah, yeah. most places we're flying to, it's really hard to bring a weapon. Yeah. 100%. I like... That's why I like driving my van most places, because I can have everything I need, no problems, you know what I mean? Yeah. But, yeah, yeah we're, we're a target with the cowboy hat on, too. A lot of people want to mess with you just for that reason alone. Yeah. Yeah, that's a fact. <laughs> all right <laughs> well heck yeah nice talking to you we'll have you back on thanks guys for tuning in yeah good to talk to you man see you soon we'll see you